Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Welcome to Spooky South Coast. Let's be honest here. Let's be up front with the audience before we get into anything else. We are not actually technically on the air tonight. We are not on the radio because uh, WBSM is running the baseball playoffs. Remember to catch all your baseball playoff action on WBSM, 1420 AM. But uh, with the baseball playoffs in full swing, that means Spooky South Coast relegated to podcast only once again. So with that uh, out of the way, good evening. I'm Tim Weisberg. Matt Moniz, our science advisor, is to my right tonight, which is backwards. And uh, Matt Costa, the silent assassin, is producing everything to my left. And uh, Matt actually uh, went to the Rhode Island International Horror Film Festival Friday night, and Matt Moniz went uh, Saturday afternoon. So we're going to talk to them a little bit about that. We'll also talk later on in the show to Gina Migliozzi, who is the general manager of the Palladium in Worcester. She's going to talk to us about the Rock and Shock convention coming up this weekend. You're not going to want to miss that. There's going to be all kinds of uh, great metal bands there. There's going to be uh, horror legends. Uh, I mean, you can meet Pinhead. You can meet Jason Voorhees' mom. You can meet Sid Haig. I think, I, I think pretty much, though, every horror fan at least if you go by their MySpace, has met Sid Haig. I'm pretty sure, like, he just, uh, he must just come to their houses or something, or, or like, maybe he goes to their high school, and because they all have a picture of Sid Haig uh, on, their, on their MySpace. So that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, he seems like a, a really cool guy for somebody that scares the hell out of me. And uh, so we will talk to Gina about the Rock and Shock convention. We'll also talk a little bit about the upcoming season of Ghost Hunters, which uh, premieres this Wednesday night at 9 p.m., or does it? Also, we are going to uh, tell you a little bit more info about the upcoming paranormal lecture we have going on this Thursday. And uh, also a chance, we talked a little bit about it last week, but a chance to see Matt Moniz and myself, our our ugly mugs on your television, if you live in the New Bedford, Fairhaven, Akushnet area. And uh, just plenty of other stuff. We'll also do the Week and Weird. And uh, we'll kick around some more talk about the paranormal. We'd love to take your calls, except uh, you don't even know that we're on right now, so that would be impossible. And to Keith Johnson, who was going to call in tonight and tell us about his upcoming class this Friday the 13th at South Coast Learning. I'm sorry I did not tell you ahead of time that we weren't going to be on the air. I forgot. Just remembered now. But uh, check out southcoastlearning.org or nearparanormal.com, and you can find out how to sign up for Keith's class, uh, the ghost hunting course that he teaches at South Coast Learning. Highly recommended. Okay, so Matt Costa. Now, Friday night, you went to the Rhode Island International Horror Film Festival. Uh, You actually knew somebody that was presenting a film that night. What was your impression uh, as somebody who, uh, like me, is a little bit weary of the film festival idea? It just seems like a lot of stuff to take in in a a limited amount of time. just what was it like to see Rapid Fire, so many horror films? Well, I got there kind of late, so I only saw a couple films. But it it was just like a really good atmosphere. A lot of people were very receptive to the films. Um, even like horror in general. The gore factor is almost comical, and at certain points of the movies, people actually cracked up laughing, which was pretty cool. Now, did did you find that there's a lot of thrills and chills still in that group atmosphere where everybody's expecting things to come? Does it lessen the effect of the horror end of it? Or is it, I mean, because like if you and I were to sit and watch uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, for example, we're we're just going to sit there and we're going to either like root for Leatherface or, you know, point out some of the uh, stuff that's become kind of, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Cliche, exactly. Thank you, Matt Moniz. I mean, or, or was it that type of a crowd, or were they just into the film, into what was going on, and then they dissect it, so to speak, afterwards? Uh, they were just basically into it. They weren't. I don't think you could actually get scared with all those people around laughing at 
It's, it's very squeaky. <laughs> it's, 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 it won't stop moving. That's the problem. Okay. Uh, there you go. Hello? Okay. Um, yeah, just the atmosphere. I don't think you could actually watch the movie in the theater and get scared. Maybe grossed out a few times. A few hundred times. Depending on the movie. Now, the movies that you saw, was there a lot of, uh, like, a lot of zombie films, a lot of vampire films? Did they try to evenly mix it up, or...? There was, a, there was one one film called Bone Sickness that was a started out as a thriller, then turned out into a zombie apocalypse movie at the end, <laughs> and actually had some goblins. It was, how do I, bizarre. <laughs> but it was a good movie. I thought it was good. It was the spooky south coast of, uh, of horror films, a little bit of everything. And so... Did you get to talk to any of these film directors or any of these uh, the people that were involved in the making of the films at all? Um, they were all there, but I, they were in a rush to get to the other theater across town, for uh, which I didn't get to make because I got lost. <laughs> Providence is not an easy town. <laughs> Speaking of getting lost, uh, Mister, I need a GPS more than anything when it comes to Providence. Uh, Matt Moniz, uh, who actually had some trouble locating. Uh, URI today, but that was not your fault. That was because of the construction going on that pretty much uh, shifted everything around. So if you are listening to the Sunday version of the podcast uh, and you're heading over there, be aware of all of that uh, construction. Now, Matt, what films did you get to see today or did you not see any? I know that you were hanging out with some friends of ours. I really didn't get a chance to see any films. Uh, I was uh, actually hanging out more with the uh, producer of the entire event on really 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 nice guy and uh he's done a lot for these people to get these films out there uh, a lot of these people wouldn't have had an opportunity if it wasn't for him to have their films to even be seen uh i also got to hang out with our good friends Pen from penny dreadful as always they're a hoot to hang out with guru uh, as usual is actually was well behaved he didn't bite anybody <laughs> Uh, and, uh, luckily for the rest of us, you know, that's a good thing. Um, Penny is delightful as always, and, uh, was also spent a good part of the, uh, day hanging out with Brian Hornwa, him and I goofing around all day. Well, that's a scary proposition to be able to put the two of you together in a city like Providence. You know, they have a, a hotel there, but never mind. Well, that's a, that's for a different show. Matt Costa knows the hotel I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, you do. With the uh, the hotel there with the strip club in the bottom, and then you can take the girl up into your room. I don't know if it really exists. It could just be the urban legend. Okay. I'll have to research that one. Moving on to the next segment. Uh, let's see. What else do we want to talk about? Well, let's just throw out the, the little bit of uh, self-promotion out there right now. Um uh, this Thursday, October 12th, the Spooky Crew will be at the Pilgrim United Church of Christ, located at 635 Purchase Street in New Bedford, for a talk on the paranormal beginning at 7 p.m. Now, we have gone to other paranormal lectures. Uh, we have gone to, Matt Moniz has gone to plenty of conventions in his time uh, as a paranormal investigator, but we don't, it's, it's kind of new to us to be leading the discussion on the paranormal. Sounds kind of funny to say, since that's what we do every Saturday night. But to uh, present the paranormal as a general topic uh, to people who may not be that familiar with it. So what we would like to do is we'd like to invite the listeners out there, uh, whether or not you're able to attend the event or not, why don't you just send us a, an email, uh, Tim at SpookySouthCoast.com, Matt at SpookySouthCoast.com for Matt Costa, or Science Advisor at SpookySouthCoast.com for Matt Moniz, or you can post up on our message board. Just give us an idea of if you were going to a lecture on the paranormal, what would you want to talk about? What would you want to hear about? Is, is there certain aspects of it that you think are a little too basic? I mean, we're, we're going to cover the difference between human and inhuman hauntings. We'll cover the differences between replay hauntings and active intelligent hauntings. You know, we'll, we'll go through a little bit of the demonic. Uh, in the next, you know, couple of days that we have, we do have some time and we have some resources through all the connections that we've made through the show and that Matt has made through his years of investigating, that we can get the information that we need. But just try to give us an idea of what it is you'd like to learn about. 
Uh, and also, please come down to the Pilgrim United Church of Christ on 635 Purchase Street in New Bedford and share with us your stories, share with us your experiences. And maybe, you know, you don't feel comfortable calling into the show to tell us about something. Maybe you don't feel comfortable standing up in front of the entire group at this uh, presentation. But you can grab us one-on-one. You can tell us what's going on. And, you know, maybe we can point you in the right direction if need be. Um, I mean, is there anything that, Matt Moniz, that you think that we definitely will cover that I haven't mentioned? Well, I think we should start off with the basic history of what is the paranormal Mm -hmm. and work up to what we know today. And I think, you know, not only are we going to talk about ghosts and hauntings, we will we'll touch upon UFO phenomena, we'll touch upon cryptozoology, we'll touch upon the Bridgewater Triangle, a lot of the things that we talk about here on the show. Uh, but, I mean, primarily I think we'll focus mostly on hauntings and ghosts, because it's just that time of year. Uh, but we will talk about other things, and if you want to talk about other things, please bring them up, um, because, you know, this is a, a good chance, one-on-one, to, you know, not have to broadcast your question to the entire South Coast region and of course, the rest of the world. Uh, and one other thing that we want to tell you about, uh, beginning this Wednesday, October 10th, is that Wednesday? Tuesday. Oh, Well, the 12th Thursday. Okay. Well, I think beginning this Wednesday or, or Thursday, I'm not sure the exact day, but I'll, I'll post it up on SpookySouthCoast.com. The Rational Individualist with Stephen Grossman is a cable access program that airs on Channel 95 in New Bedford, Fairhaven, and Acushnet. And uh, on this episode, Matt Moniz and myself are the guests of Mr. Grossman, uh, and we are talking about the paranormal with him. It was uh, it was a different type of discussion than what we normally would have because uh, Mr. Grossman is uh, very against subjectivity uh, when it comes to science. And so he was presenting some different points of view than how we would normally look at things here and uh we would like to we will have him on the show sometime because it is definitely a unique point of view that you don't normally hear on spooky south coast so uh i just i have a feeling that maybe some of our listeners might uh have take issue with some of uh what mr grossman was was speaking about because he only looks to the things that can be objectively proven and have been proven already and it's you know it's I'd like to say everybody's entitled to their opinion, but we know what happened when we said that. So, <laughs> uh, now Matt, when when I we were, yes, you did. You were very, you were very good, and uh, I commend you for for reining it in. Because uh, although I am pretty sure that uh, you are the first person to say horseshit on New Bedford Cable Access. <laughs> I can I, say I, yeah, we can say horseshit because this is a podcast. I can't be sure that uh, you're the only person that you're the first person, but. Uh, don't press the FM air button, Matt Costa. Uh, but you did get worked up. But you, as a scientist, you know you have to look at things from different point of views. And now, as a talk show host, you definitely have to look at things from different point of views. So, having a discussion in that format, I mean, first of all, just the television aspect of it, and uh, what, what did you think of all of that? It's pretty much no different to what we do here. The only difference is brighter lights and a camera. It, for all intents and purposes, there was no, no real difference between what we're doing here and now. So, Well, that's because you didn't bother to shave or anything before you went on TV either. So, I usually don't bother to shave, period, anyway. <laughs> I used to be the same way. Uh, then I got married, and then I got accused of looking like a caveman. Then again, you do have the face for radio. Yeah. Well, well, we both do. So, but you do get a chance to see us on television on the Rational Individualist. I think what I'm going to do too is, if it's at all possible, I'm going to try and get a DVD version of the show, um, and then we'll see. We'll ask uh, Mr. Grossman if, with his permission, if we can post the video up on our website because I'm pretty sure that we can video podcast through the podcast service that we use. So, if that is indeed possible, maybe you'll start seeing our ugly faces more often. So, those are just the few things that we wanted to promote for ourselves. Uh, well, heck, why don't we do one more? Uh, CafePress.com slash Spooky South, where you can get all your Spooky South Coast gear. We have T-shirts. Now, we got our T-shirts. Now, we pay just like you guys do. We, uh, this is Cafe Press. Those of you who use, who use it, you know what we're talking about. So we paid for our gear. Actually, it was it was a gift from, from uh, Professor Moniz. But, you know, so we can attest to the quality of these products. They are 
top-notch. They wash well. They wear well. They're very comfortable. Uh, the one thing that I would suggest, I did not take them down. <laughs> Matt Moniz is wearing his right now. One thing I didn't, I did not take down the two hats that are for sale on there because some people that might be what they like. But we do have some different hats coming up, coming out soon. So stay tuned for that. They might be a little bit more pricey than the ones that are on the website, but they're definitely going to be worth it. So that's enough of the promotion of the of the spooky gear. Do you think? Right. Nobody's going to bring it up. I didn't say it. Nobody's going to talk about it. Buy the gear. Uh, I was expecting somebody was going to plug the thong. The new redesigned thong with the uh, what we call the Melba logo designed by our our uh, our friend and graphic artist, Melissa Barrett. It is a top-notch design, and I highly recommend that you pick up something with it on there. And my face is still on the inside. And that's still gross. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, this Wednesday night at 9 o'clock, Season 3 of Ghost Hunters will premiere on the Sci-Fi Channel. And the first episode is going to start off with a visit to Tombstone, Arizona. Now, uh, we were in contact over the last couple of weeks with various members of TAPS trying to secure somebody uh, to come on the show and talk about the upcoming season. Two things. One, they're really busy on weekends this time of year, let me tell you, because I know that uh, there's so many conferences going on that they're all at one or another, or sometimes two in one night, you know. So they're, they're very busy and they're hard to, to pin down for a few minutes. And also, I think they're just not going to tell us what's coming up. I think, you know, it's like no matter how hard we press, they're not going to give us any, any advanced information. So we get to sit and wait for Wednesdays at 9 o'clock, just like you do. But if you want to see the first episode, you don't have to wait. Because as I discovered today, if you go to sci-fi.com slash ghosthunters, there is the entire first episode of Season 3 already up and online for you to download. You can ju- just sit there and watch it. It's streaming video. And, uh, you know, it's it's high-quality video. It's uh, full stereo audio. Uh, sit there with your headphones on and full screen it, and you're good to go. It's just like watching it on TV only three or four days early. So uh, if you want to check that out, and I know that this season they do go to other locations uh, around the world instead of just staying in the United States this time. They also go over to, I know they went to England and they went to Ireland. Uh, anything else I haven't been able to get out of anybody. Matt, you, uh, you're you in communication with some of the members of TAP from time to time. Have you heard any other locations that they went to? Yes, but I'm not at liberty to say. Well, you can say to me after, <laughs> after we're done recording because I'm dying to find out. And don't forget, next weekend is the Monster Mash and MUFON conferences uh, put together by our friend John Horrigan, who you heard here on Spooky South Coast last week. If you want more information, massmonstermash.com or ufoshow.org. Now, these uh, the Friday night Monster Mash, uh, these are both in Watertown at the Hibernian Hall, but the Monster Mash uh, night will be uh, Chris Pittman, Chris Balzano, Aaron Kadju. They're going to show Aaron's film Inside the Bridgewater Triangle, which uh, is very good, very uh, very interesting, full of all the information that you will need to familiarize yourself with the Bridgewater Triangle if you are on, if you aren't sure what it is. Uh, and also, uh, Matt Moniz will be there wandering around, so you want to find him and say hi. And he'll also be there on Saturday night, which is the big MUFON conference, the Mutual UFO Network. And you can come and talk to the Massachusetts delegates for MUFON, uh, as well as who are, do you remember some of the other guests that they're having? Stan Gordon's going to be there, and which, you know, Stan Gordon and Matt Moniz in the same room. It's, if ever aliens were going to come down, that would be the time and place they would pick. I haven't talked to Stan in years. How about the aliens? When was the last time you talked to them? Uh, what day is it? <laughs> so you want to check those conferences out. Uh, we still have some tickets to give away uh, left over from last week. We have two uh, sets of two passes. We have two sets of two passes for the Mass Monster Mash for the Big Bridgewater Triangle Night. And we have one set of two passes left for the Massachusetts MUFON Conference. Again, just email me, tim at spookysouthcoast.com. And whoever sends me the email first, uh, tell me what you want. Do you want to go to the Monster Mash or do you want to go to the MUFON Conference? And I'll get that information out to you. Now, you know, in addition to going to the uh, film festival today, Matt Moniz, you're you're a busy guy. (laughs) Because between 
taping the television show Wednesday night, the interview that we were going to tape Thursday night, which is a, a big surprise that's coming up later on in Spooky South Coast. Um, well, just stay tuned because uh, it's definitely going to be a big one. Uh, and then going to the film festival, you still had time to become a Freemason today. So wait a minute, let me do this right. Are you a Freemason? Freemason. So why don't you tell us a little bit about the... Here we are making fun of our own EVPs. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what it was that happened to you today? Uh, today they actually had an open enrollment for the public. Uh, it's a very simple process. You fill out a form, uh, actually a series of forms. They'll put you through... A couple of classes. It generally takes three consecutive classes. And then you become a member of a lodge. A nominal fee, yearly fee. And uh, it's actually an organization that is more philanthropic in nature. They help out uh, various other charities and help individuals and like. It's a, as you know, I've researched them before. They, they do have a secretness to them, and I was told that the, there is a certain secret to their uh, organization, but it has more to do with the way they structure their organization and certain rituals w within it, not so much as mysterious as people might think. Just like any organization or any brotherhood or fraternity, there are little things that are still kept amongst the brothers or sisters in a sorority, if you will. Well, part of what's so secretive, though, about the Masons is the fact that in the early days they had to have a lot of these, a lot of the secrecy to things, because they were hiding the Knights Templar. Is that isn't that correct? They were, they were kind of um, welcoming in the. I don't, I don't want to say the Illuminati class, but you know, you know what I mean. The the more enlightened thinkers uh, at a time when the the crown heads of Europe were kind of coming down on that. And they were trying to push the religion. The, the Freemasons became uh, the shelter almost for those great thinkers. Well, actually, uh, Freemasons as a group, not not so much the Brotherhood and the Lodges that you see today, actually go back to the time of um, even before King David, uh, went back as far as King Solomon, mm -hmm. uh, which is almost six, 7,000 years. And uh, they were called Freemasons because they were the ones that built all of the temples. And they, they were originally slaves that became skilled and then earned their freedom and right because they had a trade. And they were the people that controlled the knowledge of stone stoneworking to build the temples. And it, for all intents and purposes, they ransomed their freedom to build the temples. If, if a ruler wanted a temple built, he had to pay them. So that's how that initially started. They were the first free people of the world, which allowed them to have their own freedom of speech and freedom of thought long before, you know, any Magna Carta was written in what we know about freedom as today. It is interesting, too. I have a great book that I can't remember the title of right now, but uh, I know that my wife got it for me on eBay and it was very expensive, but it's a huge book and it's it's very informative and it talks about the history of the Freemasons and how the Knights Templar are tied in, and just a, a lot too about some of the uh, the misunderstandings about the the Freemasons as well. They're not a cult. They're not. Uh, they don't have bad intentions uh, or any of this stuff. It's it's just you know there's different ways of doing things and and different organizations. You know they don't wear a big water buffalo hat. You know hat, and they don't. Uh, do the you know the bump knuckles and float the fingers and all that kind of stuff. I am not at liberty to say. <laughs> well, what you guys do in the lodge is your own business. All I know is that the the Mace, the Masonic Temple. Uh, the, do they use the word temple? Or they use the word lodge? lodge. The Masonic Lodge in Wareham. They have a great yard sale once a year. I mean, great. And uh, <laughs> as a yard sale guy, let me tell you. Uh, I definitely appreciate what they have to offer in that sense. And I, I did go to a Rainbow Girls dance once, too, when I was in high school. So I thought, I, I was very uh, very impressed. So who knows? Maybe I'll join with you as well. Maybe someday you'll be a, a what's it, a ninth-degree Mason, and, and, and you can get me in, you think? 
no restrictions on Jews. Okay. <laughs> the only religious thing that they ask is if that you have some belief in a higher power. Does my belief in Matt Moniz count as a higher power? You're going to have to go for better wattage than that. All right. Well, believe, I do have a belief in the higher power because uh, I have to pray to somebody when things go wrong. They quite often do. Okay, we are talking to Gina Migliozzi, the general manager of the Palladium, which is located at 261 Main Street in Worcester, and that's where some of the festivities will be happening for this upcoming weekend's Rock and Shock convention. Uh, also, it's going to be taking place at the DCU Center in Worcester as well? Yes. And uh, what exactly is the Rock and Shock? Rock and Shock is a unique uh, horror and metal uh, convention and music festival. And who are some of the acts that you have coming uh, on the music end? And then on the other end of things is the horror, and that is where you have just drawn together some of the, the coolest names in, in the horror industry. Uh, who were some of the I know, now George Romero was announced as a guest, but he's not going to be able to make it. Okay, the important question is, did a zombie eat his brain? <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, I hope Working not. On a new movie, so. <laughs> well, if, if you can hear us, George, uh, we hope that you get well soon and, and that you'll be ready for next year's uh, convention. Now, uh, you're going to have to bear with me for a second here because Matt's unplugging the headphones. Okay. Can you hear me now? Good. Yes, okay. Matt, can you hear? Put on your headphones. All right, you can hear? All right, we're good. Okay. This, the <laughs> this is the least professional interview we've ever done. I apologize profusely. Okay. So now, how did this come about? This is the second Rock and Shock? This is our third year. Third year. Yes. And, and what was it that made you guys decide to put this together? I mean, I know that the, the Palladium is famous for having, uh, you know, metal acts in there, and, and Worcester as a whole is very receptive to, to this type of convention, but why did you decide to put the horror and the rock together? Now, I, I, just some of the names that I saw on the website, uh, Doug Bradley, who is known as Pinhead from Hellraiser. Um, let's see who else. Uh, Eileen Dietz, yes. uh, the, the face of the, uh, is it Pazuzu? Is that? Yes. The uh, the and um, who are some of the other? I know um, uh, Mrs. Voorhees from Friday the 13th. Uh, And for those unfamiliar with uh, Michael, he is also uh, the he's the bald gentleman from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, correct? Yes, One Flew yeah. Over the Cuckoo's Nest. He was in Devil's Rejects, um, Weird Science. <laughs> well, you have a lot of the uh, cast of Devil's Rejects and, and you know the Rob Zombie films. Uh, is Sid Haig going to be there as well? Yes, Sid Haig will be here. Uh, Bill Mosley, who played Otis. Uh, 
Leslie Easterbrook. She was Mother Firefly in The Devil. She was also she was also my childhood dream as uh, as what was, what was her name Matt Costa uh, Leslie Easterbrook uh, in, in Police Academy. Academy. <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, Sergeant. Uh, I don't know. But, oh, I can't remember. But she's, she's a lovely, lovely lady. Well, very, what, very what we'll do is we'll edit it in when we think of it later. <laughs> so um, and we've got some of the victims too from that movie, the uh, some of the Banjo and Sullivan uh, characters. And, Kate Norby, Jeffrey Lewis, and Lee Temple. And how do you find that the crowd responds to this? Is it, you know, is it out of control? Is it unruly, or is it, you know, no, the very? Not it's not unruly. I mean, kids are having a great time. The first year it was our first year, so it was slow. But the numbers almost, uh, well, they over tripled, almost quadrupled, um, coming doing it a second time. Uh, I think it's just a little new for the area, and it's, it's kind of a large event to try to explain in a thirty-second commercial. So took us a little while to get everybody into it, but but uh, everyone has a great time. The, the celebrities themselves have a really good time, and that's why a lot of them have uh, come back. See, I, I tend to find that horror fans are not the uh, unruly mob that people would think they are. They tend to be very reserved, very respectful, and they appreciate the art form of horror. And the amount of work that goes in, you know, what we see is just a, some, you know, the average moviegoer might see is a slasher flick. They can see the inner subtext to it. So. Oh no, there's there's a definite, you know, there's there's a certain beauty to a lot of a lot of horror movies, and and uh, people always have a mis, you know, they just misjudge uh, based on you know looks or whatever. And, and horror, uh, working in the music business uh, at Palladium, I mean, the the easiest, nicest kids that we work with are the metal shows. Um, they're they're really cool to to work with the kids are very respectful um you know we have little to no problems with that as well as the uh at the horror convention side of things too and you also have a couple of uh new bedford homies uh that are going to be there as well uh steve gonzalves from ghost hunters and uh horror writer ll soars both original new bedford natives now uh is this how important is it to take in the the paranormal fans and to have the paranormal interest, or is it kind of just, you know, these, like Steve's a guy who loves to go to these type of things anyway. Is it just that symbiotic relationship, or are you making concerted effort to to tie in the paranormal crowd community oh, no, with it? absolutely. You know, it's an effort. I mean, Steve, I've known for years and stuff, and, and just from being in the, you know, hanging out in the music scene and whatnot. And, uh, but it, it is uh, an effort to have authors as well as the, you know, paranormal side of things and, and really try to cover a broad base of uh, what falls under, you know, horror and ghosts and spookiness, you know, just the whole the whole thing. We want as many people to come and maybe, you know, maybe someone isn't into the paranormal, but they, they go to Lou's show or they see Steve do his Q&A and, and it gets them interested in something different. And now speaking of Steve and Ghost Hunters, uh, I, I, I said that I want to mention this and being the, the general man of the facility, you can shoot it down if you want, but... Ghost Hunters did visit the Palladium in the last uh, season, and they did do an investigation because there had been reports that the building itself, which was uh, opened in 1928, that the building itself was haunted. And even though uh, Jay and Grant could not deem it officially haunted, they did have uh, an EMF bubble in the dressing room where some dead bodies had been found 20 years ago. Now, in the years that you've worked there, how much of uh, paranormal encounters have you had? a few in this building, and we've had not only uh, the ghost hunters in, but we've had another paranormal investigator. The very first year we did Rocket Shock come through the building, and, and uh, he had a little bit more luck than um, than the guys did when they uh, filmed for the uh, sci-fi show, but um, they, everyone everyone who's worked here for quite some time pretty much has had at least one, if not quite a few, <laughs> experiences. And, and what types of uh, have you had? Um, well, you know, anything from uh, objects being moved, you put something down, you're the only one working, you turn around and it's on the other side of the room. Uh, you know, some of my staff have reported things like that. Just doors that you've locked at the end of the night, you, you go back around and they're unlocked. Um, definite, uh, one of my guys has seen a ton of the, uh, I guess, orbs in our upper balcony area. Tim, the security guard, I know he was... Uh... He was the one, yes. He was the one who was uh, there. I actually got sent away that week, and I, I couldn't be here for for that. Well, uh, you know, we can always launch another investigation uh, <laughs> further on down the line if need be. 
Now, uh, why don't you tell everybody how they can get tickets and uh, how they can find out more information about the Rock and Shock? Well, the best place to go is our website, uh, rockandshock.com, uh, and go from there for all the information on guests, schedules up as far as all the Q&As. We're showing some uh, clips from some upcoming movies, uh, some movies that haven't been released yet. Uh, the winners of the Rhode Island uh, Film Festival that's going on this weekend. We're going to be showing that. Uh, you can get tickets at uh, Ticketmaster for just the convention. It's a little complicated because we have the two venues, and you know some people only want to see the convention, some people only want to see a concert. So best to go to the website and uh, read that paragraph on what ticket you want. But the tickets are available at the door, and there's, there's plenty available for everyone. And and you have been kind enough to grant a three-day pass to a lucky Spooky South Coast listener. Absolutely. And so what we'll do is, because of uh, the uh, unconventional means that we are broadcasting this uh, show, so the first person to email me, Tim at SpookySouthCoast.com, with the answer to this trivia question given to us by Gina, will win a three-day pass to the Rock and Shock. You need to name five movies directed by George A. Romero that do not have the word dead in the title. And this is uh, our way of keeping George in our thoughts and prayers uh, so that he gets well soon. So five movie titles directed by George Romero without the word dead in them. Email that to me. The first person, Tim at SpookySouthCoast.com, wins a three-day pass to Rock and Shock. Well, Gina, we thank you very much for joining us. And hopefully for next year's uh, event, we can get a little bit more... Uh, a little bit more airtime here. <laughs> we, we can do it the right way over the uh, over the radio waves, and uh, also maybe we can come up there with the show, bring it up there too. Oh, that would be great! And thanks, thanks a lot for having me on. Oh, you know, anytime anything's going on uh, at the Palladium, and, and you want to get the word out. Uh, in addition to being huge fans of the paranormal, we're also huge fans of metal and rock and and all the type of shows that you guys put on there. So just uh, get in touch with us anytime, and whenever we want to try to sneak into a show, we'll call you. Absolutely. Call me anytime. <laughs> All right. Take care. That is Gina Migliozzi, the general manager of the Palladium. And you want to check out the Rock and Shock convention next week. Uh, it will be right back here on Spooky South Coast. Crystal Expectations is an extraordinary experience. Crystal Expectations has books, jewelry, candles, incense, oils, CDs, tarot decks, religious and fantasy statues, and cultural items from around the world. Crystal Expectations offers a wide variety of services, including Reiki, Kuan Yin, magnified healing, and meditation. Do you want to find out the influences in your life and what the future holds for you? Call to schedule a tarot or Hindu astrology reading. Crystal Expectations knowledge staff has over 40 years experience in a wide variety of spiritual disciplines. They can provide instruction in spiritual cleansing for yourself and techniques to reduce negative influences in your life. Crystal Expectations is located at 854 Brock Avenue in New Bedford, serving those interested in the paranormal and spiritual for over 18 years. 508-990-7898 or visit crystalexpectations.net. You can also email them at crystalx at Verizon. Well, now it's time for something we like to call The Week in Weird. Now, a while back here on Spooky South Coast, we told you about the Charles W. Morgan, which is a whaling ship originally from New Bedford that is now docked in Mystic Seaport in Mystic, Connecticut. And uh, there was some reported haunting activity on the ship. The Rhode Island Paranormal Research Group went and checked it out. Uh, they conducted a couple of investigations, and, and now there's another event happening in conjunction with the in conjunction with the Charles W. Morgan. I'll just read to you some of the highlights from a story by Liz Mogavero in the Norwich Bulletin. It's become a national question: Who is the man in the blubber room of the Charles W. Morgan whaling ship smoking a pipe? Those who believe say it's one of the thousand men who worked on the ship in the 1800s. But does the Charles W. Morgan whaling ship really have a ghostly presence or two? According to the Rhode Island Paranormal Research Group, the answer is yes, but the founding publisher of Skeptic Magazine says absolutely not. Scheduled to speak this Monday night at the Mystic Seaport Museum, Dr. Michael Shermer will present his talk called Why We Believe Weird Things, giving another view to what has become a national story covered by Good Morning America and is scheduled to appear on Montel Williams, among others, and Spooky South Coast eventually. The story began in February 2005 when the museum was contacted by the research group asking if they could investigate the ship after receiving letters from different visitors all talking about a man with a pipe wearing 19th century clothing. This is an interesting case, said Gene Miller of the Paranormal Research Group. 
There is definitely a presence there. I saw the man with the pipe, and I could smell it. Miller said he felt and saw other presences, including a little girl. Another group member, Kim Black, saw another man in the crow's nest of the ship, whom she described as skinny with a goatee and large ears. He's there because he never got to go up when he worked the whaler, she said. He likes it. He's happy on the ship. They have also encountered uh, no unfriendly spirit, she said. Black and Miller said they are in the process of researching and verifying names for the ghosts, but none have been confirmed yet. I tried to do that myself as well for a story for the Standard Times, and I, I could not come up with any names uh, that, that match some of the reports that were given. They have already conducted two investigations on the ship and plan to come back at least twice more before the end of the year before issuing their final reports. Michael O'Farrell, museum spokesman, said he has never personally felt or seen anything out of the ordinary, but knows the history of the ship is rich. This ship whaled for 80 years with over a 1,000 men going through it, and we know it has stories to tell. As a historical and educational facility, O'Farrell said it only made sense to present the other side of the story by inviting Shermer to talk. And Shermer has a strong opinion of what he will see Monday. Nothing. It's not haunted, said the California-based author and executive director of the Skeptic Society. Who can say for sure what people saw or thought they saw? It could be a combination of bad food and sleep deprivation. Okay. Sure. Shermer said once the media began promoting the story, it was subject to interpretation in the ghostly context. This is how urban legends and ghost stories are made, he said. It's nothing more than that. O'Farrell said the museum will not build the ship as a ghost ship, but people can make up their own minds. Do I personally believe there is certain activity? Sure, he said. But I would suggest people get to know the Morgan as a ship and the National Historic Landmark that she is. Miller said, along with all the scientific equipment the group uses, they also, have, they also depend on the feeling of the place. We go by our feelings, what we've seen or heard or smelled, he said. We want to give the museum a bigger picture of the Morgan and also provide validation for those who saw it. Dr. Shermer, I am a member of that media who wrote about the Charles W. Morgan, and I do not think that I was contributing to urban legend or mythology by doing so. Uh, we reported the news of the fact that there was a paranormal investigation being conducted, and we relayed the sightings of what had been seen. Uh, I'm not saying that I was there. I'm not saying that I saw anything, but the media was simply reporting a story just as you do with Skeptic Magazine. So I, I wholly invite you to contact me, Tim at SpookySouthCoast.com, and uh, we can have a discussion, and we'll have you come on the show with us when we talk to the members of the Rhode Island Paranormal Research Group and uh, Michael O'Farrell as well. So that's my week and weird story. Matt Moniz, uh, what do you have for us? Oh, God, I love this one. This comes from Robert. A German lawyer hopes to drum up more business by pursuing state compensation claims for people who believe they were abducted by aliens. There's quite obviously a demand for legal advice here, Den's lawyer told Routers by telephone on Thursday. The trouble is, people are afraid of making fools of themselves in court. Lorik, a lawyer based in the eastern city of Dresden, which ironically enough is the city that was made famous in Slaughterhouse-Five, uh, who specializes in social and labor law, said he hoped to expand his client base by taking on the unusual work. He has yet to win any abduction claims, but says there are plenty of potential. Clients, potential clients, sorry. Nothing that extraterrestrial watchdog reports scores of alien assaults every year. These people could appeal for therapeutic or therapies or cures. Lorik, 41, is pinning his hopes for success on a German law which grants kidnapped victims the right to state compensation. Asked if he was worried he might look ridiculous by seeking justice for clients haunted by aliens, Lorik was unfazed. Nobody has laughed about it up until now. All right, so you're, you're actually, as an investigator, you are not eligible to place a claim. So just so you know, you, you're inviting them to abduct you, so if you get picked up and taken for a ride, you cannot press charges. I think it's in the agreement. Show me the money. All right. Now, uh, Matt Costa, now today is Saturday. We're recording the show on Saturday night. Tomorrow is Sunday. Uh, the UAW Ford 500 race at Talladega Speedway, Super Speedway, I'm sorry. Uh, 
which you know, I can only assume was made famous in the film Talladega Nights. So uh, you have a story about some ghostly happenings at the Super Speedway. I'll do my best. Talladega Super Speedway is a huge two and a half, over two and a half mile track that is noted for its alleged jinxes and curses. And some may believe it's haunted. In 1973, Bobby Isaac, who won 37 NASCAR Winston Cup races in the 1970 Points Championship, he was leading a race in Talladega and pulled into the pits because he heard voices. Uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. has said that when he was racing in the mid-90s, he heard the Bobby Isaac story of him hearing voices. And he said, if Bobby Isaac comes in with a lead of 10 to go and tells you he heard voices, you had better believe it. Earnhardt went on to say that he heard the airport previously on the track was built on an ancient Indian burial ground, but does not believe it's true or not. So there you have it. A NASCAR driver hearing voices. Who would have thought? <laughs> Everything's built on an ancient Indian burial ground. So there you have it, the Week and Weird. Remember, if you want to submit a Week and Weird story to us, all you have to do is log on to SpookySouthCoast.com, sign up for our message board, go to the Week and Weird board there and submit a link or the entire text of the story. And if we read it on the air, we will give you full credit. myself a hat and I'm sewing up a head to wear it on I'm making myself some mittens and I'm stitching my fingers together to keep them warm inside I'm knitting myself a sweater to cover the body I'm wearing. Knitting! 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 Well, Matt Moniz has uh, some plans coming up to uh, take a little bit of a journey, a paranormal investigation get back out into the field, and uh, he would like to take some spooky South Coast listeners that are interested in, in going along with him. Matt, why don't you tell everybody where it is that you're going, and and uh, we'll see if we can gauge the interest level of people joining you. Well, while I was talking to Brian Honwa today, we were talking about various places that we've been to that we'd like to go back to, and uh, one of the places that came up was Waverly Hills. And I've been wanting to go back there to do a follow-up to the original investigation that I did. I want to go back so I can finish my final report. I have the initial material that I recorded. I want to go back and reinvestigate, take more proper measurements, reinvestigate the place so I can finalize the report. Uh, Brian is interested in going, as well as a couple of other friends of mine. Before we wrap things up, Matt Costa wants to send out a shout-out to his boy, the the American Rooster. That's his name? Okay, he was walking around the film festival. He had a leather leather rooster mask, and he was wearing like like an American flag leather jacket, and he just cracked me up. So if the American Rooster is listening, please email him, matt at spookysouthcoast.com. He wants to hang out, take you out for some chicken feed and beers. Uh, he said that he, he heard that you're pretty good with the chicks. Oh. Yikes, that was bad. <laughs> so I think that's a good sign that it's time to wrap things up. Now, uh, coming up in the next couple of weeks, uh, we don't know if we're going to be on the air live on WBSM because, again, there is baseball playoffs scheduled. However, all it takes is a, is a rain delay or a, a, a rain postponement, and we could be in the studio and we could be live and taking your call. So... My suggestion is stay tuned to SpookySouthCoast.com. Uh, tune your radio in at 10 o'clock to WBSM anyway. Uh, of course, you know we want you to listen to WBSM all day long. And 
So, uh, yeah, so you can check it out and see if we're on the air. And if not, just, uh, feel content that there will be some sort of podcast program online for you the next day. Regardless, we have some big shows coming up too that we're going to save until we know that we're back on the air for sure. Uh, talk to, I guess we can, uh, spoil this one a little bit. I talked to Linda Moulton Howe earlier tonight, thanks to our science advisor, Matt Moniz, uh, who has worked with Linda in the past. Uh, she is going to be joining us sometime soon. Also, we are going to be having on um, Rosemary Ellen Guiley again as well. Uh, she's going to join up, hopefully, if we can work it all out, with Jeff Belanger and Dominic Adesani, the show that we were going to have on dreams and nightmares and the paranormal. We're going to try and bring all those people together for that show. And then we're also going to do a special episode on the Twilight Zone. We're going to have, hopefully, a new uh, Horror Writers Roundtable uh, and a whole bunch of other things coming up. So... Stay tuned. Uh, we promise you that uh, once we're back on live every week, we're going to just have some phenomenal programs, and and uh, that'll do it. So for Science Advisor Matt Moniz, for Silent Assassin Matt Costa, I'm Tim Weisberg. We want you all to stay spooktacular, everybody, and see you Thursday night. Rest assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy. Accessible, then. What you have just heard was not fiction. Although, in many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been. It's over for now, it seems. Or at least, until yesterday begins again. Tomorrow, tomorrow. The supernaturalist.